Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Well, it's such a joy to be with you again today. And uh, man, what a day we had yesterday as we invested in Soul Winner. Um, it was just a total joy to be a part of that, to see an end time army raising up with a heart to win souls. And that's a key part of the will of God for us. Amen. I bring you greetings from my family and from Family Church. And it's just been an absolute joy to be with you, worshiping and praising in a house that knows how to praise God. God. You guys know how to praise God in a place where people are sold out for kingdom. And it's been a pleasure again to spend time with our good friends, Pastor Julian and Sharon, and um, just hear what God's doing in their hearts. They're incredible people, aren't they? Very unique. Uh, Pastor Julian and Sharon, very unique people. Very special touch of God on them. I don't know another Julian and Sharon. And I'm so glad about that. People often say, I don't know another Andy Elms. No, now it's my turn. I don't know another Pastor Julian and Sharon, but I am so thankful for their uniqueness in God, the fingerprint of God upon them. Well, happy Mother's Day, and I've got some good news for you. If you forgot to buy your wife a present, I've got books with me. Okay, if you forgot to buy your mum a present and your wife, no, please thank me later. I've got books, all right? I'm so good to you. We've got a number of books out there. don't want to spend long on adverts. We've got Breathe Again. I told you about them yesterday. But this one's a great gift for your mum. Breakfast of Champions, a daily devotional for your mum, written by me and Gina. So my friend Dan, who's with me, is going to be outside with his card machine in the foyer. No excuses. I didn't bring any cash. No, don't listen to that, missus. Don't let him say that to you. All right, we got books there. I'm going to give these. Have you got these, Pastor Sharon? Any of these? Can I bless these with, can I bless these with you? All right, there you go. Thank you. Excellent. <clears throat> Praise God. We need to know the moment that we're in. But this isn't any old moment. This is a God moment. This is a moment that I would call Kairos. Now, this is a God moment, and God is a God of moments. Do we realize that? He's a God who designs moments, and I believe that we are in a God moment. Now, when you look at the word moment or time, it uses often two words in the Greek. And the first word that's used for time is chronos. And that's the word that means logical, sequential time. That's how we try our best to manage eternity, don't we? We look at hours, minutes, weeks, years. Next Wednesday, over the 27th. Oh, I've got to do this on June the 14th. That's very much chronos, logical, sequential time. But there's another word that we read about when we study the word time and it's mentioned in the Bible. And that's the Greek word. I've got a screen behind me, which is the word. (laughs) There we go. The word kairos. Hey, thanks for the timing there. That was marvellous. But kairos isn't like chronos because chronos is sequential and logical. 
Kairos is a divine moment of opportunity, a divine moment, a moment of opportunity. Now, I believe that God is a God of divine moments of opportunity. He's not making it up as he goes along. What's a good example of Kairos? It would be for those who are old enough, the man from Del Monte. He say, yeah. Anybody remember the man from Del Monte? If you don't, he was the old fruit farmer sitting on a porch looking at the crop and he said not today not today not today and he would go out and touch the corn or squeeze the pineapple and all of a sudden the little guy would run through the village ah the man from Del Monte he say yeah which means the barn doors came open the combine harvester came out the people stepped into the listen the man from heaven he say yeah We're in a moment. We need to understand that we are in a God moment. This isn't any ordinary moment. This is Kairos. You see, God is a God of design moments. We make it up as we go along. What are we going to do this week? I don't know. We'll see what happens when we get there. Not God. He spoke to Noah many, many years before the rain came about rain coming. Now, if you talk to theologians, they just argue anyway, theologians, don't they? They love it. Some say, oh, that was 50 years. Some say, oh, no, 50 to 75, 75 to 100. No, definitely 125 years. Let's just, it was a long time. (laughs) But when God spoke to Noah about a moment when it would rain, it wasn't next week. It was 100 years or so later. But on that day, in that moment, it rained. You see, we understand that we, like Esther, have been born for such a moment as this. God's not making it up as he goes along. He saw City Gate before any of you were born. He saw you positioned here before any of you were born. You see, when God was speaking to Joseph in a field when he was a little kid but didn't know how to not talk to certain people, he spoke to him of a day, a moment, a kairos when he would be a prime minister. And then one day, many of years later, after there's been betrayal, when he's been rejected, when he's been in prison for like 13, 14 years. All of a sudden, the prison door opens and it's a moment called Kairos where in one day, he moves from a prisoner to a prime minister. That's how it works. God is a God of suddenlies. He takes a long time to tee things up, but when he moves, he moves. We need to understand right now, we're in a moment where God is on the move. And we need to be on our feet, fully awake, saying, come on, God, we've been waiting for a moment like this. Some people wait. Now, listen, listen, look. This is a moment like this. As such as this time. You see, Jesus wasn't born according to Kronos. He was born in, according to Kairos. The father didn't say to Jesus, oh, it's the 25th of December. Sorry, some of you really got offended there. He said, it's the fullness of time, be born. Jesus came in the fullness of time, not according to Kronos or man's watch or calendar, but according to the perfect moment of opportune moment, the moment that he needed to be born. So I believe we're in a moment where the Spirit of God is moving on the face of the earth in an unusual and an exciting way. And I don't know about you, I don't want to miss out. 
about 10 days ago, two weeks ago, I was in uh, New York and I was in Pennsylvania and I was just so excited to see the Spirit of God moving through different college campuses. Bunches of young people that don't know how to do Christianity properly on the stage. Just messed up. They don't realise you've got to have t-shirts. They just don't know. <coughs> Spirit of God moving through them powerfully. Breaking out in the Philippines, thousands getting baptised now every day. Venezuela, people getting born again wholesale. All across, not one place called Asbury in America, Kentucky, Alabama, all over America. Spirit of God breaking out. In England, Spirit of God breaking out. Can't you feel him today? Now, I really believe we are in a Kairos moment, a divine moment of opportunity where it's not time to be asleep. The words of Isaiah ring through the corridors of our soul. Awake, O oh sleeper. This is not time to be in slumber. You don't want to miss this. Listen, don't you hate it when you're in a movie theater with someone and they fall asleep in the last 10 minutes? Now, Gina, if she was here, she'd own it. Whenever we watch a movie, I've got, I haven't got FOMO, fear of missing out. I've got FUMO, fear of others missing out. And I can't watch a movie if people go to sleep. I've got to, no, no, you've got to be awake. But Gina, she kind of, because you know, she's had five kiddies and she's busy. And uh, she goes to sleep at the last 10 minutes of a movie. And I just got, oh God, I don't believe this is happening. No, Gina. And I invest the last 10 minutes of a movie keeping her awake. But I have to. I've got FUMO. Listen, if you've been on the bus for many years walking with Jesus, you don't want to miss this moment. If you've been walking with the Lord any amount of time, you don't want to sleep through what's going to happen next. I believe we're in a moment, right, where the Spirit of God is moving in a fresh and a new way. And I feel Him moving in a fresh way in my life. But I believe He's adding an ingredient that's going to change everything. Now, isn't it amazing that when you cook or bake, the ingredients are all important, but some are more important than others. But when you look at baking, I've done a bit of baking. I was inspired by the great British bake-off, and I thought, I can do that too. And every man one time in his life has to make bread, you know? It's just something that's primal in you. You've got to need it. You've got to need it. But it's amazing when you make bread, you use a number of ingredients, and they're all important. The flour's important. If you go by old school recipe, the fat that you put in is important. The salt, the sugar, the water, the liquid, it's all important. But there's one ingredient that if you don't add it, ain't much going to happen. What's that ingredient? Yeast, yeast changes everything. <clears throat> because when you add yeast, everything changes. All the other ingredients begin to find their identity. They begin to identify with the yeast. And all of a sudden, everything begins to transform as a supernatural occurrence. You stick an old tea towel over it when you've stirred in the yeast. Put it in a warm place. You come back later on and it's swelled. Listen, I believe we're in a moment where God's adding a missing ingredient to the bowl. <clears throat> I believe that all the ingredients that are in the bowl, in this thing that we call church are amazing ingredients. They're brilliant. But when I look at the churches I lead, sometimes I walk around and I'm like, there's something missing. There's something missing. There's something missing. I love our people. I love what we're doing. But when I think about what God's called us to do and what we will do, there's something missing. I believe the Holy Spirit is adding an ingredient right now to the church. 
was going to change everything. Just like yeast changes everything, the whole experience. You say, well, we don't need another ingredient. I think we do. Now, again, when we look at praise and worship, now, you're a hard comparison to a lot of churches that are speaking because you're really good. But still, you see an element when we're worshipping, right? We've never had better music. We've never had better musicians. We've never had better written songs. We've never had better atmosphere. But sometimes you look out and you see people lost in worship, but others are looking at their watch. Got their hands in their pockets. Come on, if you're a worship leader, you've seen it. Just kind of putting up with what's going on till we get to the message. Something's missing. Let's be honest, something's missing. Something's missing. We talk about the Great Commission and we say, hey, do you know that people are going to hell? Your loved ones, if they don't receive Christ, are going to hell. And everybody says, yes, I believe that, brother. But they never, never tell them about Jesus. Something's missing. Something is missing. There's an ingredient missing. You do an appeal in church, we need you to turn up for an outreach we're doing and you get the faithful few percent that always turn up, but the larger percent don't even have the intention. And so what we do is limited by what we are. Something's missing. Don't get me wrong, I love all the ingredients. But what happens in a moment of Kairos when God adds an ingredient that only he can add and it changes everything? Would you like to know what the ingredient is? <coughs> Would you like to know? Oh man, it's so simple, I'm almost embarrassed. Um, some of you can ask for your money back, but you haven't paid anything, so there's no refunds. Here's the ingredient, are you ready? A moment when the Holy Spirit adds to the mixing bowl the actuality of God. Where God suddenly becomes actual. In the heart of his people. Did anyone just feel the air change? In a way that he's never been before. Because you see the problem for many people. God is still a concept. You don't worship a concept. You worship an actual God. For many people. God is a philosophy. An ideology. Um, a theology. Hand me down hearsay. They heard about this God by parents that loved God. None of those things are wrong, but they're not as good as that moment when suddenly the Holy Spirit moves on your life and out of you comes a cry. He's real! God is real! And the God who is real is really here. You won't need a worship leader to convince you to sing. You will need a security guard to stop you. You've got to stop worshipping. We've got to get the word open. I can't. He just needs one more song. He's worthy of one. We're in a moment where the Spirit of God is breathing upon his people first. And he's bringing the actuality of God. And moving people from God being a concept to being real in their life. So I don't believe that this is just a move that's going to affect the church. I don't think the Holy Spirit can 
really wait for us anymore. He's out in the highways and the byways doing it. I see a moment that we're in where you're walking around Sainsbury's one Saturday and all of a sudden a young a single mother with three kids that's been abandoned by her husband. For no reason, no one's spoken to her. In the middle of Sainsbury's falls down and begins to weep. God is real. God is real. God is real. What happened? The Holy Spirit just added the yeast that changes everything. Because we as God's people are really good, especially Pentecostals, at saying we know everything, right? Oh, I know this, I know this, I know this. What a person knows is demonstrated in how they live. That's reality. It's like if I say today, everybody believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but when you pray in tongues, you actually recharge yourself. You pray a prayer that's a perfect prayer for a moment. You don't know. Everybody believe in tongues. Everybody puts their hand up. Then I say, honestly, who does it every day? There's no absence of concept. What's missing is actuality. But it's the Holy Spirit who adds the yeast. Where suddenly we stop in our sing-along and we go, why am I singing songs? I need to worship him. He's here. He's real. Hal is real. I can't stay quiet anymore. We had such a good day yesterday, but I was desperately trying not to pedal obligation. I was desperately trying yesterday not to be a guilt trip, a travel agent for guilt trips. I wanted people, when I believe they did, call it in their hearts. It's not just about heaven being real. There's an actuality to the reality of a, an eternal hell. And none of our friends and family can go. So when I look at these things, I'm, I, I'm drawn to a moment in Genesis chapter 28. Some of you are like, this guy never uses his Bible. Huh? <laughs> just got you, just got you. Stop writing that email. Because when we look at the life of Jacob, we actually see what I'm speaking about being modelled. But Jacob was a man who knew about God. Now let's just do a bit of a background uh, lesson here. I'm not trying to catch anyone out. He had a very famous dad, Jacob did. His dad was... Well, you better know that. Let's try this one. He had a really famous granddad called... All right, we're on the same page. So Jacob had a relationship with God through the hearsay of his parents and his grandparents. But actually, when you read the bottom of chapter 28, even though his granddad kind of invented tithing, he didn't tithe. Because they were concepts and hand-me-downs from parents. They'd never yet become his. But I love this moment in Genesis 28 where God has a Kairos moment set up and Jacob's totally unaware. Jacob's just, remember we, we, we read about Jacob. He was the guy who conned his brother with a bowl of soup out of his birthright, okay? Uh, this guy really didn't deserve much, but God poured grace on him. This is the guy who went with his mum's plan about dressing up in woolly skins, you know, <clears throat> to con the son again, the other son again. This is the guy called liar, a serper, cheat, con man. And one day, he's walking down the road, and I just want to tee up this moment in Genesis 28. He's walking down the road, and he's totally unaware that he's stepping into a Kairos moment, a moment where God is waiting for him. God never arrived in that moment. He was always there, but he was waiting for Jacob to come into this moment. In the Old Testament, this was a physical reality. In the New, it's a spiritual one. 
So Jacob's walking down the road and suddenly he comes to this part, totally unaware that he's in a Kairos moment, a moment of God opportunity. And he thinks, I'm going to have a sleep. And so he gets a rock, a boulder, and he puts it under his head. I don't get that. I like a firm pillow, but I like a little bit of fluffy and bouncy. It's just who I am. But he's sleeping with his boulder under his head and suddenly he has a dream. I love it. You know, God speaks to me a lot in dreams because then I'm out of the way. Um, I understand what went on with Jacob. Sometimes God says to me, let's just wait till Andy's out of the way and then we can talk to Andy the spirit man, you know. And so he's asleep and all of a sudden in this dream, you know this dream, he suddenly sees this staircase. He's at the bottom and all of a sudden he looks up and God's at the top. There's ministering spirits going up and down. And this is kind of what Jesus referred to when he spoke to Nathaniel. And he said, hey, don't be surprised. I I saw you under a tree. He said, you're going to see the heavens open above my life. Life and ministry coming up and down. He was referring back to this moment called Bethel because he came in the fullness of the book. Now he's in this dream and suddenly he's like, there's God, here's me. Oh my goodness, I'm with God. God is with me. And God begins to promise, I promise this to your granddaddy. I promise this to your daddy. It's going to be with you as it was with them. God just begins, Jacob didn't deserve any of it. <laughs> Welcome to grace. He didn't prepare for this moment. Welcome to grace. He didn't even know he was in it till he was asleep. But all of a sudden, God's speaking to him in this moment that later is called Bethel. But I want to just lay that foundation to get to this verse in verse 16. It says, And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, wake up, church. (laughs) Wake up, church. Wake up, church. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought to himself, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was unaware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now stay with me. He suddenly realised that God was in this place. God didn't come when he realised it. God was there before he knew it. But the Spirit of God caused Jacob to become aware of what was present, not just in this place, but in this moment. And in one moment... Jacob moved from a hearsay relationship about God that was a lot of concept based on what he'd heard from Abraham and Isaac to a moment where he was left on his knees saying, surely God was here and I have been living in unawareness. But I am no longer unaware of the presence of God. Now I live in awe of the one who's in this moment. Okay, we understand that a lot changes after the cross. Because he put something in place to make this place a moment of remembrance. He used a stone to erect a temple and a place of sacrifice. How does this fit with us today? Because it's no longer about physical places. It's no longer about buildings. It's no longer 
about desert places. It's about us. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Spirit of God, breathe on us in this moment. And like you did with Jacob, cause us to experience a Bethel moment where suddenly you're no longer a concept, ideology, theology, philosophy, hand down hearsay from parents and grandparents. But you blow upon me, Holy Spirit, as you blew upon that place called Bethel. You cause an awakening within me that suddenly deep within me, I begin to say, my God, you are real. And you are really here. Not just in this place, but in this life. It's amazing when you read on, it says the final part of that chapter. And all of a sudden, Jacob decided he was going to give a tenth of everything that he got to the Lord as a tithe. Didn't you learn that from your granddad? Granddad was pretty good at tithing. Didn't you learn that from Isaac? No, he saw it, but he never felt it. And suddenly in that moment, his life changed. We read on a little bit, and suddenly he's in a pit fight with God. He's wrestling with God. And, and I think this is brilliant. God's saying, let go of me. <laughs> God is going, let go of me. And he's going, I will not let you go until you bless me. I know you've got stuff for me. I ain't leaving without it. See, in the journey of Jacob, he went through a moment where suddenly God became real in his thinking. And then he encountered God and his walk was never the same again. I believe we're in a moment where Spirit of God is breathing. And he's bringing awakening to the, shall I say it in a nice British accent, the actuality of God. <laughs> One day when I'm in a university teaching this as a theory, and, uh, it's the actuality of God. You see... When you look at even some philosophers, um, Aristotle, he knew a couple of things. He wasn't a bad lad. Had a friend called Socrates. Some knew him as Socrates. <laughs> but even he was stumbling over this thought pattern in his theory of realism. Because he said that when it comes to actuality, there's two things. You can have potentiality and actuality. Yeah, that's reasonable. But potentiality is when everything's in place for something to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Actuality is when it happens. I remember reading this. I said, God, you've got to give me a picture because I'm kind of thick with this stuff. And he showed me a gun. And he said, the moment you pull back the hammer, you cock the hammer, you've got potentiality where everything can happen, but it hasn't happened yet. But the moment you pull the trigger, you shift from all things being potential to all things suddenly in one moment changing and becoming actual. Maybe we've known the potentiality of the spirit being on the earth and in us. But we're now in a divine moment that God chose before any of us were born where he's going to pull the trigger. And people are going to worship in a new way simply because he became actual. People are going to, it's going to be like Moses when we take an offering. We're going to have to have security guards. 
It's going to be awesome. Remember that one where Moses takes an offering for the temple? I've always been so jealous of this moment, to be honest with you. I don't want to be a fake. Where he says we need to take a, an offering for the temple. And suddenly the ushers come and they go, but they just keep coming. We've got too much. And so Moses, right, this is like Dreamville. He stands in front of them and he says, all right, I told you we had some needs. Stop giving. Stop it. Just stop it right now. We got, I'm, I'm warning you. Don't you dare bring any more. I just want to give. See, they were walking in a realm where God was actual to him. He wasn't a theory. The reason that Nehemiah, he's another one that always annoys me a little bit because he had this huge mammoth task to do and he did it in 52 days. All right, he had Sam Ballot at the bottom of a ladder and he was like, clear off, I ain't got time, I'm about a great work. But the reason he did it in 52 days was there was also an army of people next to him who actually believed that God wanted this thing built on the earth. What happens when he begins to add that yeast? Suddenly we move from a realm of knowing into a realm of knowing. The Apostle Paul in his little riddle in Corinthians put it this way. Let the man who says he knows, let him know he doesn't know as he ought. Do, 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 do. What are you saying, Paul? That we can all know something in our heads, but that doesn't mean we know them in our hearts. And it's what we know in our heart that becomes what our life looks like next. Spirit of God's breathing on you guys. He's not adding anything that man can add. He's just adding that ingredient called the actuality of God. Man, I'm laying in bed these mornings and I wake up and I just, simple prayer. God, give me more Bethels. I feel you breaking through in me. I feel you. I feel you becoming more real. I've walked with you with 30 years, but all of a sudden, I feel your reality. Not just in the meetings I'm in, but in the life that I'm living. You see, a lot of young people and older people struggle with things like pornography. When you have a revelation of the actuality of God living in you, you will never turn on that screen again. Or we can compensate things in our life with behavior modification. We just need to know that he's not in a place alone. But when you receive Jesus Christ, the spirit of the risen Jesus Christ comes and moves into your life. And if that's a concept, it won't change much apart from Sunday. But when suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to make that actual, everything changes. You don't care about your money anymore when it comes to the kingdom. Worship, like I said, you need people actually dragging you out the room because you won't stop. That would be a good day, hey? Wouldn't that be brilliant? Please get them out. Put them in a side room. <laughs> you see... I'll talk about it. We don't need to turn to it. But even disciples can get a little bit messed up with this. Think about Thomas. Think about Thomas in John 20. That Thomas was a man, all right? Because you could sit there and go, well, this doesn't apply to me. I've been saved a long time. I've been saved for 500 years. 
Think about Thomas. All right. He picked up the nickname, the doubter. I get that. That's not funny. I, I can see us all being in heaven and, and, and the Lord saying, all right, everyone, stop it now. <laughs> so just, just stop picking on Thomas now. He's had enough. All right. They had like 2,000 years of this, you know. But you see, Thomas, he had a moment where he doubted that Jesus rose from the dead. In John 20, he doubted that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, bear in mind, he'd walked with Jesus for like three years. He'd heard Jesus many, many times, very clearly, not keeping it a secret. I am going to die. They are going to kill me. They are going to put me on a cross and they are going to put me in a grave. I am going to stay dead for three days. Then I'm going to rise in resurrection and my resurrection is the invoice that the Father needs, that the blood has made full payment for every person and now you can expect resurrection too because my resurrection is the invoice that the Father accepted the payment made. He dies. And all of a sudden, some of the disciples see Jesus. John 20. They come running in. We've seen him. Now, you kind of expect Thomas to go, Woo! Glory! Into a glory fit. Spinning. Woo! Woo! Clothes coming off. But Thomas, he responds to these disciples. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Were you not in the meetings and the seminars that Jesus did? He wasn't vague, was he? I don't think so. And then he says, yeah, you know what? I need to put my fingers in the holes in his hands. That's gross. (laughs) And my hand in his side. That's even grosser. But I love it. It says, and a few days later, Thomas, who was called Didymus, I don't know what the guy's name was. I'm like, when we, uh, let's not even go there. It's like, you did him as Thomas. What do you want me to call you? Just give me a name. But he's in a room, and again, and it says, and the door was shut, and Jesus came in. Yeah, that'll solve it. <laughs> he's in a room, and the door is shut, because he only needed to use doors when he was in a physical body, not a glorified one. He's risen, not yet ascended, but he walks through the door, and he says to them, Peace. Now, we sit there like we're all sitting around going, oh, hey, there's Jesus who just walked through a wall. They were screaming like little girls like we would. And he's like, hey, peace. And Thomas is like... The other guy's, hey, Jesus, good to see you again. Thomas. And he walks up to Thomas, he says, what was it you said? You want to pop your fingers? If that's what you need... To bring the actuality that I'm a risen Christ. Go ahead. You need to pop your hand in the side. And he's looking around at the other guys like, you shopped me. You grasped on me. (laughs) Jesus said, it wasn't them. I heard you. I heard you doubting my actuality. I heard you. I will do what I need to do to help you to know that I am real. And he says that still to every one of us today. I will do what I need to do in love to help you to realize I'm not a God who's far, far away. I'm a God who's here right now and here right now. Imagine how our worship was changed. And sometimes I really do want to stage this. Forgive me. 
that during worship, I bring in an actor that looks like Jesus, like the guy from Chosen or Jesus of Nazareth or Robert Powell or something, right? And I dress him up in white. And during the worship, the worship team are worshipping. And all of a sudden, he comes out. (laughs) I'd love to do this. He comes out and he's like... And people are like, oh God. Oh, it's him. You would in a moment move from this to this. Don't you know he's here? Blessed are those who haven't seen and believe. He's here. He's here. Right now, he's here. If you're a follower and a believer, he's here. Holy Spirit, would you add the yeast? Would you cause the church to arise in one moment? Sometimes I look at the church and I say, how can you get the church together in such a quick moment? It would take centuries. And God says, no, you just add the yeast. Where the spirit of the living God blows upon the hearts of God's people. And they move from a condition of knowing but it's somewhat cerebral to a condition of knowing where suddenly you can't do things you once did because he's real. Suddenly you can't treat people like, because he's real. Oh God, would you blow upon us? Imagine that moment with Thomas when he realized that Jesus was real. I don't think he was kind of sitting there going, there you go, well, that's different. I don't think it was like Hugh Grant when he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think he began to scream out, Jesus, Jesus. And his life that moment was never the same again. If you're here today and you've never experienced or encountered Jesus, We don't want to give you concept or theology or ideology about him. We desperately want you to meet him. The one who isn't far, far away. But the one who is in this room who wants to move into your heart. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus... You've been backslidden, but now you know you've got to come back. Because within you, you know He's real. I want to pray for you, but I want you to do something really bold. I think we make things too cheap and easy for people so they don't ever live out. If you're here today and you need Jesus, you've never given your life to Him. You want to return your life to Him. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand, no matter who's next to you. If this is God speaking to you, stand to your feet right now. Stand and say, I need Jesus. I need to encounter Jesus. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to say, slip your hand. I'm going to say, stand to your feet right now. I know this house is filled with God lovers, but if you have not and you've never encountered or received Christ, I'm going to count to three and I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Everything could change. God bless you, sir. That's courageous. Everything could change. Everything could change. Are you willing to own this moment? 
meet him at the cross. Anyone else? I'm just over the moon with you, sir. Anybody else? What have you got to lose apart from pride? What have you got to lose apart from the regret of leaving knowing you should have? Well, well, one more time, if there's any. Father, I pray for this man. And I thank you that he comes to the foot of the cross to meet Jesus. At the cross, he finds forgiveness of sin, freedom from law, and a new beginning. Thank you that his moment now causes him to be born anew. Fill him, Holy Spirit, with your presence. Fill him. Let this day be a moment when everything changes. Amen. Thank you, sir. You can sit down. Okay, time's gone. If you just want God to become more actual, give me one minute, stand to your feet. If you're ready for the Holy Spirit to blow across you and create a moment when you say, surely he was here and I have been unaware. The reason I lived one way in church and one way outside of church was I was unaware, but he was with me and he was in me. The reason I don't worship at home is because I didn't realize he's there also. Holy Spirit, would you move in a rich way? Blow upon the hearts of your people and cause the yeast that only you can provide to be dropped in and mixed in to the flower Holy Spirit please release an awakening to the actuality of a real God who's really in this place you see church the power of this is if we actually believe he's here we have to actually believe the healer is here and right now, sickness is broken off of your body because the healer is actually here. You see, if we believe this, you have to believe that the one that sets the captive free from every torment and every depression is here. Which means if the one who sets people free is here, depression, torment, and every other attack against your mind and your heart. Let's go right now. Let's go right now because he is here. Let's go. Like the demonic man on the shore of a river. It just says, let me get into the pigs. I can't stay here. Be set free. Be healed. Let joy return. Simply because God is real and he is really actually here.